On today's episode of The Playgrounder, as always, bringing the news in five, including Lou Williams being a little naughty, but he was just there for the food. Apparently, they, uh, they got good eats there, so he's obviously back in quarantine now. We got the undrafted draft. Matt's going to try to come back from this 1-0 deficit from the Ellie took last episode. As expected, I mean, how's he going to beat me? But we're, going, we're drafting players who weren't necessarily picked in the NBA draft, but they're going to be picked in the Playgrounder draft. So I'd say those are, those are pretty even. And then we're going to go over some rookie awards, some serious stuff, some fun stuff. We're going to have fun with that. And then that's going to bring us right into the Rookie of the Year Award. Should be a fun episode. Please subscribe to the pod. Comment, feedback, get at us on Twitter. And let's get it! story time if you guys remember last week um zach had a root canal and it, it he said it was an awesome time and he recommends it for everyone 10 out of 10 um no he didn't say that but i want to get into another quick version of story time um brought to you by me okay so i got reminded of the story because every summer my family and i like like you know me and my cousins we go to the outer banks in north carolina have you heard of the outer banks zach i've only heard of the tv show never watched it but i heard of it and yeah. I've heard of John B. Okay, so I haven't seen the TV show. I've heard of it as well. A lot of my students like want me to watch it, but the Outer Banks is an awesome place. It's just like um, these really nice homes that you rent out for a week, and you know my family like we split it with everyone, so it's pretty affordable. But either way, you go down there, you're on a beach by yourself, you're like mm. totally isolated. It's awesome. Um, so yesterday, one of my cousins stopped by. We had a little quarantine pool session. We were on like opposite ends of the pool. And it reminded me um, of a very particular story. I want to begin this story with a question. Zach, have you ever seen a grown man, I'm talking like 45 plus, get hit in the testicles? Yeah, so I used to, growing up, I played baseball my entire life. And my dad would help me and he'd pitch to me or he'd play catch. And I would hit him in the balls quite often. Sometimes by accident, sometimes on purpose, I'm not going to lie. One time I had a wiffle ball, and if you don't know, or if for people who don't know what that is, it's basically just a plastic ball with a bunch of holes in it, so it's not that hard, doesn't travel that fast, but if you get hit in the nuts, I mean, guys know, like, by anything, even just a little flick, like, it's going to hurt, so one time I called his name, and he and he turned around, and I whipped it right at him, hit him square on, just on purpose. I I don't know where it came from, I was in, like, grade six or something, but yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it quite a few times. Okay, so you were like 12, 13 years old. Yeah, I uh, I was old enough to understand what I was doing, but clearly still young enough to just be stupid enough to do it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's a great age for that. So this is what happened. Um, for some reason, what we wanted to do, like we were all young. I was maybe like, I was maybe like 12. And my cousin Teddy was like 13 or whatever. And all the girls in my family, all the women got in one car, and then we'd put, like, the guys in another car or something like that, whatever. And we were just having a fun time driving around, and we had to go to, like, a grocery store or something before we could start our week. So my father, um, on top of his van, was, like, you know, like, the shell where you put your, you know, your clothes and all your stuff that goes, like, on top of a car and you strap it in? Yeah, so you're, like, a real traveling family. We're, oh, yes, yeah, we, we know how to do it right, so... We have the shell, but like one of the straps was kind of just like unloose. So my dad pulled over and he was like, hey, you know, 
uh, I, I want, you know, I just want to fix this real quick. You know, everything was fine. Nothing fell off. Just wanted to tighten it. So my dad opens up like the, the slide open, um, passenger door of the van. Okay. And my cousin Teddy is sitting in that seat. So you have to imagine like my dad's crotch just right in his nephew's face. Right. So he's so like, it, he's standing on the door frame to like get up on the roof kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Okay. So now it's me, my cousin, Justin, Teddy, Max. And I think my mom was actually in like the front, the front passenger she seat. She got in the boy's car. She, she was in the boy's car. Mm. Um, and we're just egging on my cousin. We're like, yo, Teddy, like, dude, just, just like give him a little flick. And he's like, no, guys, like, you, I can't hit my uncle in the balls. So like, Teddy, come on, dude, just do it. Right. And, and we're dying laughing because like, it's right in his face. Um, so we're, we're harassing him for like, it, you know, at least like two minutes. Cause my dad, for some reason, just couldn't figure out how to fix the strap. So he's just like, it seems like an eternity that he is just right there in front of my cousin. Balls in and the we're, face. Yes. Cardinal and we're calling Teddy. Yep. We're, <laughs> we're calling Teddy all sorts of names. Like, dude, you got to do it. And eventually he does like just the little like tiniest just little boom flick just like that and my dad at like 50 years old jumps off the side you would have thought like he was storming the beaches at normandy like he was making the weirdest noises and and we're trying so hard not to laugh now because it's one of those situations where you immediately realize something wrong happened and like you thought it was going to be funny and it's still funny but you're like well i can't laugh because i know i'm gonna get in trouble yeah so we're we're trying not to laugh and we hear my dad go to my mom and he's like, he's like, he's like, Robin, he's like, I can't drive. You got to drive. And so like, <laughs> everyone, so we had to like, we got in so much trouble. We had to turn our cars around. They're like, we're dropping you boys off at the house. Like you can't go out with us. Cause like we were going to go and get ice cream or something too. So we had to stay at the house. And then my uncle had to, uh, when, when he got back, he was like, listen, like I need to talk to the four of you boys, like, you know, he pulled us aside and he was like, he was trying so hard not to laugh. And he's like, listen, you can't hit your uncle in the balls. Right. (laughs) He just, I remember looking at him and like, he knows how stupid this is and how funny it is. And we're trying not to laugh while getting yelled at. Um, so, you know, moral of the story is if you, boys like to do this, right? It's just, Guys like to roughhouse and like hit each other in the balls. Um, just don't do it to your uncle. Don't do it to like a father figure, an adult. All right. There, there is an age range that you can do it. And like everyone has to be within, I think, like five years of you. Right. So like if I'm 28, OK, like I can do it in my friend group up to 33 and, and down to 23. Right. Anything like that, like out of that range, I would say don't do it. So that's my advice, and uh, that's that's story time brought to you by Matt and Zach. Thanks for uh, thanks for giving us the age limits on when we can touch another guy's balls. Uh, You're welcome. I, I just wanted to make that clear for our listeners who maybe didn't know. I, I actually laughed so hard because the uh, the <laughs> the over exaggeration like perfectly describes my dad. Like one time I one time he got hit in the balls. I think it was by a tennis ball or something. So it definitely hurt. But he was rolling around on the ground screaming like a boulder got dropped on his head. And like our neighbors came out, they're like, "Should we should we call the ambulance? Is he is he is he is he dying?" And my mom like, she's like kind of laughing, but also like doesn't want to because she understands he's in pain. And she's like, 
And she's just like laughing. She's like, no, that's okay. Just laughing at him in pain while all our neighbors are like rushing over, seeing if they should call 911 and get the paramedics here. Uh, <laughs> that's a... It's no joke. It isn't. I, honest, I got hit. I got hit in the nuts with a flip flop uh, in the change room this year at one of our one of our games, and I was down for the count. And like everyone thought I was exaggerating because it was just a flip flop. But when something hits you square in the testicle, like it's game over. You're done for at least like twenty five minutes. Yeah, it's agony. It's it's like a stomach pain. It, it creeps up into the stomach. Yes. Yeah. And there's no, there's really no fix for it besides just waiting. You just gotta wait it out. You can't ice it. You can't heat it. You just you can't walk it off. You're just down Thought, down for the count. thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, let's get into the news, Matt. Set the time for five minutes. Let's let's see if we can hit five minutes this time. I think last time we were at about six. Yeah. So ready? We're gonna we're gonna start in three, two, one, go. Zion Williamson, Patrick Beverly, and Zubots, and. Maybe a few others are back in the bubble. Should be good to go Thursday. Uh, it's exciting to see these guys get back. Yeah, this is good because I think in many ways, and uh, I don't know, I thought it was kind of obvious. I felt like the NBA wanted to find a way to get Zion and the Pelicans like in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, obviously, I don't know if all the details came out about Zion. Did they really come out why he left? I think it, it, it just said family emergency and he's back now, so... Nothing yeah. specific. So hopefully everything's good and like the NBA and the NBA fans can get what they want in watching like this absolutely one of one, never before seen type of player, you know, absolutely destroy people on the court. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I well, I'm I'm really hoping every team is fully healthy because uh I mean we just wanna see as, as best basketball as possible and the best team win. One guy that will be out for the first two seeding games because he has to quarantine for ten days, Lou Williams. Uh, Jack Harlow posted a picture of those two at a strip club. Lou Williams says he just went for the food, though. And I've heard on Twitter from multiple people that apparently the food actually is really good there. So maybe maybe he was lying. Either way, it was dumb. Uh, your thoughts? So, okay, here's here's my first thought of that. Uh, do I believe he went there just for the food? No. Um, no. Although he does have, like, a meal named after him there, I guess, because he's such a loyal patron. Um, however... I think we need to move past the term gentleman's club. Like it's just it's not. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, you're not you're you're really not a gentleman if you're going going to one of those. Yeah, it's not, and I I was watching Sports Center and they're like Lou Williams is at a gentleman gentleman's club. I'm like, guys, who are we, like who are we fooling here, right? Just call it a strip club. Like call it what it is, you know, take the stigma off it. You know, Lou Williams, he got caught. I'm going to be honest, I feel like if I had to pick someone who might have gotten in trouble it could have been him so it doesn't really surprise me but i mean you got to be better than that because at, at the end of the day like it's actually a huge risk for the bubble so i don't know i mean i wish he showed better judgment but it is what it is yeah i really wonder if uh Kawhi wishes that he could you know maybe be on a team with some teammates that take this seriously and have championship aspirations so i don't know maybe like toronto or something it's it's over though uh adrian <laughs> adrian warjanowski unsuspended it, it didn't last long and he's already back to breaking news uh i don't know you have any thoughts on Woj getting unsuspended dude free Woj, right like my only thought is this i i do think the days of um sports reporters getting docked for being political i i personally i see those days kind of like winding down i think the separation of sports and politics um I, or i guess i should say like they're 
intertwining more and more. So like hopefully we can just like look past this in the future because I don't know, it's it's unfair of Woj to not be able to do his job because of his political opinion. Like I think that's unfair, but I don't know. At the end of the day, man, Woj is back. We love Woj and maybe I'll get a Woj tattoo, like a free Woj. Yeah, I think the premise of what he did wasn't bad, but it's just how he went about it was just the straight up FU. But even that, like, realistically, I, I don't think it was worth a suspension. But either way, he's back. And one of the first stories he reported when he came back was the New York Knicks hiring coach Tom Thibodeau to a five-year deal. How do you feel about Tibbs getting back in the league? So, okay, I think Tibbs is a good coach. And I also think coaching in the NBA is really freaking hard. And we do this weird thing where, like, I feel like we praise players and often overlook the coach, right? But, like, when the coach does something wrong, we're like, oh, this coach sucks. It's like, well, yeah. which which one is it, right? Like, so, listen, Tibbs is a good coach. He's, he's a defensive-minded coach. I know that, like, historically he started out with really good defensive teams in Chicago. Then they kind of got a little bit worse as time went on. But that could be due to personnel. So I like him. Um, I also think – I think he's a Connecticut guy. I'm pretty sure he grew up, like, in Bristol, Connecticut, so I got to support him a little bit because that's, you know, that's my home state. Yeah, he's a good coach. He has proven success. Like like any coach, he has flaws, and his flaws happen to be riding his starters out for, you know, 65 minutes a game. So we'll sure. see how R.J. Barrett reacts to it. I personally would have went with Kenny Atkinson, uh, but that's just based off my what I've seen on TV. I, I wasn't the one in the in the room interviewing either of them. I don't know either of them personally, and I don't know the Knicks players personally, so... That's just my very uninformed opinion. One guy who did leave the bubble due to injury, though, uh, all-star center, Demonis Sabonis. That's going to be a huge hit to Indiana. Yeah, so it's a foot injury, uh, foot injury, correct? It is. I don't know. Those are so scary to me. Like, even back in the day when Kevin Durant, didn't he have uh, plantar fasci- mm-hmm. fasciitis? Is that how you say it? I think fasciitis. Like, yes, that's what it is. Um even that scared me like foot injuries for me. I don't know if you don't have those, right? Like that's where everything starts from in your base. It, it's actually a little, I'm a little more disconcerted than maybe what everyone else is. And and I like Sabonis. I think he's one of the most underrated passers in the league for a big man, but it doesn't look like he's going to be playing. Right. Yeah, no, it, uh, I think his return is kind of unknown right now, but the fact that they can't even see him returning within a few weeks just shows how scary it is. And I, I don't think it, and, I mean, Indiana's good. They're not a true contender. I don't think it's going to be worth rushing back for. So I doubt we, we see him again this year. And our last piece of news, Kyrie Irving started a fund. He donated $1.5 million uh, for WNBA players who choose to sit out the 2020 season due to either personal, professional health, or uh, safety-related reasons. Yeah, good for Kyrie. Like, Listen, I'll be one of the first people to admit I've been very critical of Kyrie. Um, I've been critical of how he kind of I I think he at at times he's gone around and kind of claimed to be like this pseudo intellect and that's really bothered me as someone who takes education seriously and like has seen and and been taught by real intellect so he's always found a way to get under my skin and honestly that's probably something I need to get over but I don't know you got to tip your cap at the end of the day like he's he's like out there physically uh tangibly doing good things uh, to bring equality, whether it's across a racial spectrum or or a gender spectrum. So shout out to Kyrie. Yeah, there are obviously a lot of criticism about him, whether it's breaking team chemistry on two, maybe even three different teams, and then what he did as far as saying about starting his own league. But this is something you can't criticize, and it's a very uh, good move because 
I don't know for sure, but I don't think the WNBA was paying the players who chose to sat out. Uh, so this is obviously a way for them to get some money, and I'm sure more players and different people involved will donate money towards it. Yeah, I, I hopefully the media um, catches this story and runs with it, and there's like more money that goes into this um, just because of it. So is that all the news we got? That's your news up to Monday, July 27th. That was pretty good, man. We did it, I think, in like just about seven minutes. Oh, my but it, gosh. It felt fast, though. It, it felt, felt very fast. rapid fire. It was good. Yeah, I thought I thought we crushed it. So shout out to us for uh, for really doing it today. What do we have? Ne- What's next on the docket? Uh, I think we're going to get into how you lost the draft last week and you're trying to get redemption here. Okay, so what are we? We're about 20 minutes into this podcast, something like that, and it's the second time you've brought it up. I just... I don't think I would bring it up as much if you didn't act so confident before the last one. You're like, yeah, you can have the first pick. Let's even just alternate. No go snake. I'm going to win this anyway. And then it came out. I got 67% of the votes, and I personally think I should have got more. I don't know how anyone voted for your team, but, I mean, credit out to you for finding 33% people who are that dumb. Um, I will take it, and I'm going to go right back and, ju- and just do what I did last uh, last podcast and just predict that I'm going to win again today anyways. And for everyone asking the format and uh, what we're going to be drafting this time, so – uh, we put it out on Twitter. We're doing the undrafted free agents, right? Yeah, just any guy in the league right now who went undrafted and got signed to a team. And how we're going to do it is um, Zach has the first pick, and then we are going to snake it. So I'm going to get the next two, and then he's going to get two, and then two, 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 um, so on and so forth. Are we doing the same? We're like, hey – uh, in a in a seven game series, which team wins? Right? Is that kind of the what we're going for? I think I think that's the best way because then it it doesn't only show our drafting ability, but it also you know team building, and I think it can get more controversial that way because it's not just who has the best five. It's let's actually look into matchups here and that kind of stuff, and it gets people maybe thinking a bit more. So I don't, if you like the seven game series idea, I'm I'm definitely for that. Yeah, I like it. I feel like. Um... It can also be a good way for us just to audition to all these general managers out there. You know what I mean? Um, so we can keep, you know, continue to we can continue to live that pipe dream a little bit longer. Um, all right. Well, you know, what? without further ado, do you want to lead us off? I guess uh, we'll uh, winners start. So, OK, sure. I'm going to go with the only player on this list or the list of undrafted players who has a finals MVP vote. And uh, point guard for the Toronto Raptors, Fred Van Vliet. I'm going with him, number one. He's a guy who can handle the ball and create offense, but as we've seen this year, he can also play off ball. And there's no harm in in running a small lineup with him at the two because we've seen him and Kyle Lowry both at max six feet tall. And they're the second best defense in the league, and both of them have a big part to play in that. He guarded Steph in the finals last year. He can shoot. He can create. Uh, Yeah, you know, I I, I like Fred's game, and he's only – starting to get better so I believe he's the best undrafted player and he's my first pick yeah that's undoubtedly the first pick here um so he had an he had a career year this year obviously um he's shown that he can uh he can show up and literally just help your team win games when it matters most um what's gonna so he's a free agent right he is, yeah, and it uh, Toronto has Serge, Gasol, and Fred as free agents. It seems like Fred's the uh, priority out of the three, um, and we'll have to see what everything looks like money-wise with COVID and the China incident, if they can bring all three back, but I, I, I would be very surprised if Fred wasn't in a 
Toronto uniform next year unless some team like the Knicks or Pistons just absolutely threw him the bag. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so, I mean, it's it's great that he had his best year, like, in a contract year, but we don't know what that's like, what the contract's going to look like with COVID and, you know, all, all the, the different stuff that's happening with the cap. So hopefully it works out for Fred. Um, I loved watching him play at Wichita state, even though like they beat up on my Huskies a little bit. Um, but it's all good, man. So honestly, that was, that was going to be my first pick. Um, okay. So now I got two picks here. I got Ooh. you, you beat me last time with strategy. So like I read, I need to really strategize this one. Um, I'm going to go with Duncan Robinson. Mm, that's mm, okay. Okay. See, I didn't want a bad reaction from you. Um, so Duncan Robinson is, he's a really good story, but more importantly, he has like awesome positional size, right? So he's, um, what, six foot eight ish, but you can yeah, like, you big. can play him. Yeah. You can play him like across positions. Um, this season, he took 8.4 three-point attempts per game, which is pretty wild because he took 9.4 total field goal attempts. So, like, his three-point attempt rate is crazy. He hits 44.8% of them. And he actually um, – he gets knocked a little bit for his defense, but, like, he's a tougher and stronger guy um, than what people give him credit for. So, like, he can actually be, like, an average defender uh, when the time calls for it. So, I like Duncan Robinson because – if you're making a list of the top five best three-point shooters in the league, like I think he's on that list. Um, he can play in a lot of different lineups. It's going to give me flexibility. Going with Duncan Robinson. Yeah, there was an argument going around Twitter after his first scrimmage game if he's the third best shooter because I think it's mm. pretty clear that Steph and Clay are one and two. And then, you know, is it is it Duncan Robinson? Is it Bretons? Maybe you still have Corver and Reddick up there. I, he's definitely in the conversation for top five. And yeah, I mean, definitely big for his position. So you can... Uh, you can kind of flex around with your other picks now. Okay, so I'm going to get another guy who actually has a really good three-point stroke but can move the ball a little bit better. I'm going to go with Joe Ingles. Okay, I, I I wanted Ingles, but it's definitely not who I wanted to pick next, so I'm, I'm happy you didn't take my guy. But I think I know, I think I know who you're going to take next then. Um, so, all right, Joe Ingles, um, 40% career three-point shooter, 5.2 assists per game this year. Um, that was a part of his game that I actually underrated him on. Like, I didn't know how important he was to just making his teammates better. Um, and he's a gamer as well. I, I really like him. I think he's a good fit next to Robinson. Like, he's a floor spacer. He's another one of those guys that can you can slide across a couple positions, but he can also make stuff hap- happen for you on offense. So um, I feel like Duncan and, and Joe Ingles are a little bit um, interchangeable in terms of their positions, which I like. I'm going to go with those two guys, and I'm happy so far with uh, with my first two picks. Yeah, I mean, you have a, a solid foundation, a good a good kind of wing wing depth. Uh, I'm just doing some research now because I thought I had a guy who was undrafted for sure. Oh, no. I still think he is. Um, no. you, can, you can correct me. If not, then I guess I just have to go with another. But I wanted to go with a big man, one that had a very good year, just an absolute brute. Uh, and he can kind of shoot it. Uh, I'm gonna go with Aaron Baines. Oh, you're right. He was he was on my list. I'm a big dude. There is a Baines. Um, but before I let you like run away with this one, there is a Baines Twitter account. It's like a Aaron Baines fan yes. club. Throw it a follow. They're unbelievable. It, it, they somehow, or maybe it's just a single person, but he uh, somehow finds a way to get Aaron Baines related to anything and can find any sort of Aaron Baines footage or stats and. 
You know, I mean, no discredit Aaron Baines, but that's not an easy guy to just find a, a random clip from. Yeah, and you know, I feel like on Twitter, we always have, um, like, different people that are associated with NBA teams, just in terms of, like, fan accounts, and everyone's, oh, man, like, you know, they got to get hired by the Grizzlies to do their social or whatever. Listen, if you are down in Phoenix, hire this man right now, or wherever Aaron Bain goes next, I think he's a free agent, just hire uh, the, the Aaron Baines fan club and let him do some work for your, your team's social media. But, all right, tell us what your team is getting in Aaron Baines. Yeah, well, obviously there aren't a lot of strong bigs who are undrafted. So first off, I think I just, you know, I got the best big and it'll be tough for you to find someone who can match up with him. And he's a great screener. I think him and Fred can run some good pick and roll. And he's shooting, what, about 35% from three. So he could pop out and get it. Uh, Great rebounder. Defensively, he's solid. I mean, it's it's not like he's a Rudy Gobert level rim protector, but he's just a big guy who's going to be able to guard you in the post or help on help on help on a screen and roll defense I just it I like Aaron Baines for sure he's good he's definitely a a starter level at worst but I think the main thing was just just getting a big because there aren't a lot of good undrafted bigs no I know and Baines is um he's doing what a lot of modern big men are doing is like the first five or six years of their career they're not really three-point shooters and like all of a sudden they have that one year where they take a huge leap in volume so like this year um, you remember, he, you know, he started when DeAndre Ayton was out and was like banging threes and hitting like and taking like four games. So that's a really good pick, man. I really wanted him, and I really hope you don't take who I want when it's my my next turn to pick. But um, who's who's your next selection here? Uh, I think it's definitely going to be because when I look at my list of players, I think there's one guy who stands out huge amongst the rest. Uh, a guy who can play the three or the four or the five. Uh, mm. I'm going to go with Robert Covington. He's a all 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 defensive type player. In 2017-18, he made the all defensive team. He can shoot extremely well. I mean, he's 35.8% from his career and right around there this year. He's a great rebounder. He can rim protect because he has really really long arms. And as we've seen in Houston, he can literally play one through five because he's the tallest guy on their starting lineup. So I uh, I'm I'm really liking the way my team's rolling out. I think defensively we're extremely strong. And once again. As the NBA shows nowadays, you need shooting, and I have three really good shooters out there. Yeah, I mean, Rocco's a great pick here. I was debating if I should take him. Um, I actually think I can find a couple other big men that I really like that are underrated. Um, he's great, though. That So that's one of my favorite storylines to follow, or I guess will be one of my favorite storylines to follow for when we resume basketball Thursday, right? Yeah, Thursday night. Yeah. Um, is how... Houston's experiment is going to work out mm-hmm. um I'm pretty sure he was averaging like almost near two and a half blocks a game in his short time with Houston so who knows I mean um that's a great pick man good yeah, for you well the craziest thing is Covington's better than both Duncan Robinson and Joe Ingles so see I don't know I just gotta throw my draft away for the rest of the day because I think I'm about to go two and oh no see I actually in terms of like my okay so for my team building philosophy I would rather have the like kind of multi-positional Robinson and Ingles who are really good shooters and like uh, like Joe Ingles, a guy who can move the ball and then try and find one of those bigs later on because I think you can find like, you can do the Danny Ainge philosophy where you get cheap bigs that are just underrated and kind of like do a running back by committee for big men. Um, we'll see because my next pick is going to kind of like put that to the test here. Um, okay, what I wanted to take was 
I think I'm going to go with Christian Wood. I, I, yeah, I like that one. And it's a little risky because he bounced around um, in the NBA like his first couple years and couldn't really find a home. But this year uh, for Detroit, played in 62 games, started 12 of them. Um, he ended up averaging 56% from the floor, 38% from three. And he is a guy who is in line for like a nice contract. Um, he played really well. I want to pull up his game logs so I can see like exactly. I should have, I should have wrote this down before or writ- written this, written this down, wrote this down. What are we going with? Righted. <laughs> That's yeah. I should have written this down before. Okay. Um, so my phone's pulling it up right now. All right, so when he became basically their kind of full-time starter, he uh, shot 56% from the floor, 40% from three on over four attempts per game, got to the free throw line a lot, which, like, I just personally, like, I think that's so important to a player's efficiency. Um, Yeah, as a starter, put up 22, 10, and two assists. And, like, he's not a great defensive center, but he's got a ton of offensive potential. I like him a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, if you literally just look at his game log for how he finished off the season, like, his points, uh, his points was 26, 18, 26, 20, 19, 20, 29, 30, 22, and 32. So, the lowest total was 18 within the last 10 or 11 games. He, uh, he can shoot the ball. He can, yeah, he, uh, pick and roll, pick and pop, can defend quite, uh, decently well. Rim protector, I'm mm-hmm. not honestly sure. Can't say I watched a ton of Detroit basketball, but. He's okay. Yeah. Good player, as you mentioned, uh, free agent. Hopefully he can he can get paid with everything going on. Uh, yeah, it was a good pick. Don't know how he matches up against Aaron Baines. I think he'll get his, his teeth knocked in, but that's okay. That's okay. You're so, learning. Okay, so I'm getting better day by day. Um, how do you feel about – all right, let me make the case for Detroit being a better team next year than what people think. Um, but what, what, are you, so, what are you saying that people think? I think people are a little low on Detroit. I'm super low. I, I can't see them being good. So I don't think they're going to be good, but I do think they're going to be they're going to surpass expectations. So uh, Blake Blake was off this year, right? This Blake's was a weird the X year. factor, really. Yeah. Right, and we saw not this year, but last year, like a healthy Blake Griffin can still be really good. So if he's totally healthy, and they find a way to bring back Christian Wood. Um, Luke Kennard is, I think, a really underrated player. I um, mean, he's a good playmaker as well. I thought Derrick Rose had a great year. I think Sekou Dumboya is going to take a step up. Um, I feel like I'm missing a guy. Oh, Bruce Brown? And I, I like. I I will. I like. Um, I like their coach, man. And you and you know about uh, Dwayne Casey. Like, I think he's underrated. He's not a bad coach. He obviously led those Raptors teams to some number one seeds. His biggest problem is in the playoffs. He he lacks quick adjustment making or just adjustment making in general. But, I mean, as far as a guy to get you to the playoffs, he has good philosophies and he runs his rotations well. Yeah, so I I like that team. If they bring back Christian Wood and everyone's healthy, I, I you know, they're a team that, um, you know, I'm not a gambling man per se, but whenever we find out, like, the over-unders for next year – I think I'm going to take the over on them. Um, I get I get another pick here, huh? We got one more. Well, one more now right. and then a, another one at the end. So I'm debating here. I have Christian Wood. I can play him at center, or he can actually be like a power forward as well. Um, but I'm going to wait on that. Instead, what I'm going to do – oh, man, it's, it's down between a couple of guys, and I don't want to – 
I really hope you don't take my guy. Who are you gonna? Who do you want? Why would I say that? <laughs> who do you want? Just let me know. My lips are sealed. Okay. So right now it's coming down for me between Seth Curry and um, I really like Kendrick Nunn. None of those guys I think is a true facilitator. Um, I think that with with Seth Curry you would get I mean he's been one of the elite three point shooters in the league. Um, you think he's at forty five percent this year. Um, he takes a ton of threes and, and he can play a lot of different positions. Kendrick Nunn I think is more score first, but can facilitate a little bit. I don't know. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Kendrick Nunn. Mm, yeah, that um, was that was who I was going with. I, I like him. I think that, you know, obviously between him and Seth Curry, they're both not, like, incredible distributors, but I think they can get the job done. And and um, I like the explosiveness of Nunn, like, as a scorer. Yeah, you know what? Looking back at it, I'm happy. Kendrick Nunn, Christian Wood, Joe Ingles, Duncan Robinson. Don't sleep on that team, Zach. Yeah, I was, I was going to go with Kendrick Nunn next for my next pick. Uh, so who do you got now? You have me doing yeah. a little bit of research now. I... That's right. I want another guard for sure. Um, yeah, I have a couple guys on my list. Uh, Seth Curry, as you mentioned, uh, one of them for sure. Another one, honestly, who people might not know about, but I'm sure they'll find out about in this playoffs. I'm looking at Fred VanVleet's teammate, Terrence Davis, another rookie mm. who could very well make all rookie second team. I think he should. Oh, I um, Yeah, it's not easy. It's not. I want. I. I want to. Uh, yeah. You know. I think. I think I'm gonna go with Terrence Davis. Honestly, he's six four. He can run the two guard. He. He can be a secondary creator. He's shooting almost forty percent from three. He's an absolutely good athlete. Uh, I don't know how popular he is amongst just the the regular NBA fan, just because I don't think he'd be well known because he. Well, he's played in all sixty four games, but he's behind Fred and Kyle and Norm who. They have, a, they have a deep backcourt anyway, so I don't know how popular he'll be amongst fans or how well-known he is, but he's a guy who's good on both ends of the floor, a rookie who could work on his playmaking, but that's what Nick Nurse says he wants to do with him because he wants to develop him into more of a point guard, and yeah, I think I'm going to go with, with TD. It might be a little bit unpopular, but I, uh, I really like him as a player. No, that's that's absolutely fine, and like I remember... Um... During the draft, like there were a lot of people who, who were saying, "Hey, like, how is this guy going to go undrafted? Like, this is not a player that should go undrafted." And it's just another, like, it's another win for the Raptors, right? Like, they're just unbelievable at finding these guys. Um, they're great with player development. All right, yeah, your team, your team's not that bad. I mean, like, I'm not going to say it's better than mine, but it's not that bad. Yeah, it probably is better. Uh, I guess now I'm basically at the point where do I want to run Covington at the four and go with another? smaller guard type guy or do mm. I want to put Covington at the three and get a bigger guy for the four and yeah I mean I'm debating between three guys at this point uh I guess I can say them out loud because you only have one pick left and I have nothing else after this it's Wes Matthews Seth Curry and then Derek Jones Jr. Mm. Uh, I really like Derek Jones Jr. he's probably the weakest offensively of the group but just a guy who can defend and rebound and fly absolutely through the roof I think with Fred and Terrence, I, I think they could have a nice, maybe, you know, lob connection, pick and roll connection, put him at the four. He's t he is shorter than Covington still, which is pretty surprising. And, I mean, I'm a big defense guy, and I think he has the length and the wingspan and the athleticism to guard, so I think I just talked myself into it, so I'm going to go with uh, Derek Jones Jr. 
All right, that's listen. That's a good pick. Um, and if his three point shot like ever comes around, then that that really changes his trajectory as a player. Um, I like that he plays an important role for the Heat, and he's another guy who can like defend multiple positions. So, all right, your lineup. You're looking at Fred VanVleet, uh, Derek Jones Jr., Rocco, Aaron Baines. Who am I missing? Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis. It's a good lineup right there, man. Um, I don't hate it. I have one more pick left. So this pick for me, I think what I want to do is I want to have um, I want to have Christian Wood play the power forward position, okay? Mm. And I think that's a good fit for him, and, and that's where he plays. But So I want to take a center here because I have, uh, I have Duncan Robinson and Joe Ingles, and I have Kendrick Nunn. I think I'm going to go – so it's coming down for me between Daniel Tice and uh, Maxi Kleba. I, I always screw up his last name. I think it's Kleba, but Kleba. I've, I've heard I, it pronounced a lot of different ways. I think it's Kleba, but I just – I think it's just – it's not – it's a word that's like not made for my voice to say. But that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Maxi Kleba. Um, so even with Kristaps Porzingis on the Mavericks, there are a lot of – uh, Mavericks beat writers and and me personally who like I I also think that Kleba is actually their best like paint deterrent like he is their rim protector there um he's really really good so he put up nine points per game this year five rebounds um 1.2 blocks but uh, impressively about him was he's a guy who took over four three-pointers a game hit 37 percent of them so you know he's not like a full-time I don't think you want him playing 36 minutes per game but i think modern centers today like really don't play 36 minutes per game um so i like him to give me to give me spacing i have five guys who can shoot a little bit of rim protection some uh some underrated defenders who can switch a little bit so just to summarize my team is uh at, at point guard it's kendrick nunn then i have duncan robinson joe Ingles, christian wood and maxi kleba i think so kleba Kleba, uh, Zach, te- Zach, tell us your team, and then make make a case as to why your team is better than mine. Yeah, I do want to point out how our backcourts are actual teammates in real life. So you have the Miami Heat backcourt, and I have a Toronto Raptors backcourt. Planned it. I mean, I, first off, it, I got I got the best player in in this in this matchup, right? I got Fred, a guy with a Finals MVP vote, a guy who was dropping twenty in the finals last year, and they just simply couldn't guard him. Uh, he had no problem guarding Steph Curry, so I don't see him having any problem guarding Kendrick Nunn. And then I definitely think I'm going to win it with Aaron Baines because as as good as Christian Wood is and Maxi Kleba is, it, Baines is just a big guy and it takes a big center to guard him. And he showed this year that he can stretch the floor too and run pick and pops. So I really like him. And then I just, I think I just have versati- versatility defensively with Rocco and, and Jones on the wing. Terrence Davis is a bigger guard. And then, as we mentioned, Fred and uh, Baines are very much capable of guarding their positions. So let's hear let's hear your little rebuttal to that. Yeah, I mean, so here's, here's my rebuttal. Um, Fred Van Vliet is really good. I don't think he's, like, head and shoulders. I mean, he's the best player drafted, right? But he's not head and shoulders away in terms of how much better he is than everyone else. Um, Kendrick Nunn is going to be on an all-rookie team this year, and he, he started from day one for the Heat, and look how their season went. Christian Wood, um, he's really freaking good. He's a guy who grinded for a long time to get into this league, and when he did, he showed that like as a starter, he can get it done with awesome efficiency. 
Uh, Maxi Kleba can protect the rim. And people who watch Dallas know that this guy's a really underrated player. Um, Duncan Robinson is on any given night. He has the potential to be the best three-point shooter in the league. And we all know that Joe Ingles is kind of like a glue guy that helps keep um, Utah together. And, and he can he can keep the ball moving around as well. So like a little bit of kind of, you know, point forward with him. Um, I like my teams in terms of their spacing. I think we have guys who can attack on the pick and roll. I think we have guys who can create for others. Um, this is going to... This is going to be a really close Twitter poll. Yeah, I think from an unbiased perspective, though the Euro draft, like I solely think from unbiased that I had a way better team. But this one, this one's close. I think, it, yeah, I don't know. It could go either way. That's why we need you guys to vote. We need you guys to retweet so it reaches as many eyes as possible because we want as big a sample as possible to see who who you guys think has a better team. And then, yeah, once again, Matt will put out another poll of what draft we should do next. You guys vote on that or even just comment different creative ideas that you guys have and it should be fun how about we move on to talking about some rookies yeah um wow you know what little disappointed in you because there is a natural segue between undrafted players and talking about rookies do you want me to give us a a nice segue yeah you're so big into these segues i just jump into it but let's let's go with your segue you know what i'm big in a segue because i'm trying to like relearn italian and i think in italian seguire is like like to follow and once i learned that like this all made sense for me um in terms of like that like the etymology of the word wow big big word alert etymology yeah i thought you were gonna say i'm learning italian and in italy italy they drive uh segways a lot no but that uh, maybe they do i I I have i don't know okay ready for this um i'm gonna do it real like you know real like espn radio style um well, Zach and I just discussed undrafted rookies, but most rookies do get drafted in the NBA, and let's dive into our rookie awards. You like that? That was pretty good. You yeah, got, a, got a good ESPN voice. Out of, out of, uh, we'll steal the Mike, the Mike Golick donut rating, so out of, how many donuts do you give out of five donuts? Like, maybe, uh, maybe a three. Okay. I think it, uh, it, it could have, it could have had some work to do, you know, but. I didn't mind it. I don't know. I have really no idea how to rate this. I just dude, just you don't know the donut through. rating. Well, I no, I just I don't know how to rate your 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 line. Like I feel like it just wasn't a, a big enough thing to give a rating out of five. So I think we need to go by how I did on the spot because it is improvised. Yeah. Um, how you think the listener will put? Listen, I'm just gonna say. I would be comfortable with a three and a half. You gave me a three. I got work to do. That's fine. But the segue is already done. Um. Let's transition into some of our categories. So we're, we're ultimately going to end with our rookie of the year pick, but we wanted to go over a little, like, I don't know, just some more creative rookie awards, right? Because we have all rookie teams, but let's get a little more specific, right? So Zach and I brainstormed some things. Um, we're going to start with the biggest steal of the draft. So Zach, who do you think was the biggest steal of last year's draft? Yeah, so one thing I want to point out, this year's rookie class had a lot of good undrafted rookies. And when I look at steal, though, I don't necessarily look at undrafted players as steals. I just, to me, the word means he, you, you stole him late in the draft, not that you, you, you just signed him out of nowhere. So I didn't go with an undrafted guy, but if someone wanted to say, you know, a guy like Kendrick Nunn or Robinson or Terrence Davis was the biggest steal because they went undrafted, then for sure, I went with a guy who actually got drafted in the second round with the 41st pick. I went with Eric Paschal. I, uh... He played really well for them. He's obviously a little undersized, but I think he could 
I don't want to say fill the Iguodala role, but I think he has more cap- more than enough capability of being within that Warriors death lineup when they get everyone back with their, with its you know Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Pascal, and Draymond. He's a guy who can guard the four and the five. He, uh, I, I don't. I feel like percentages would tell me different, but I feel like he can shoot better than his percentages tell. I don't know. I just I just believe in his shot a bit more. I just kind of like the way it looks. But he can score the ball. He's athletic. He can uh, defend, rebound, and I think the Warriors did really well in this draft for getting a, a guy in the second round. Yeah, so that's that is a great pick. What's interesting about him is like, I feel like typically with the Warriors, we see how when they have some of their um, role playing pieces, right? They maximize their value playing next to guys like Steph and Clay and Draymond. But you know, this year obviously they didn't, they didn't really have Steph and Clay, um, and, and Draymond missed some games as well. And like uh, Pascal still did really really well. So like, if anything you know, he's probably going to take a step forward playing with better talent and getting used to playing with those guys in their system. Um, also, one of the biggest shots ever in a college basketball game. So, yeah, we we, we like him. Yeah, I, well, I was going to bring that up, too. I, I kind of said this yesterday, just having a conversation with a friend that Villanova guys just don't fail in the NBA. Like, they're not mm. going to become all-stars. I think, is Kyle Lowry the only all-star out of Villanova? But they just, you look at, like, guys like Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, Pascal... Uh, did Omari Spellman play in Villanova? I feel like yes, he did. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a, a, a guy who could be a decent rotation piece. Uh, but Dante just, DiVincenzo. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe I forgot about him. But, uh, they, yeah, they Jay Wright and that Villanova organization just turns out good NBA players. Yeah, Jay Wright is one of those guys who um, I hope he stays at Villanova because if he's got a good thing going there, but he's someone who, like, the NBA is perpetually chasing because, like, at the end of the day, man, his players are so well coached. Mm-hmm. Um He's an awesome recruiter as well. We like Jay Wright. Um, all right, so I'm going to give my selection for here. I considered a couple guys. Um, I ended up going with Brandon Clark. Yeah, he, he, so was, he, got, he was the other guy I was looking at, yeah. He got drafted with the 21st pick. Um, he's someone who I think I had in my top 10, my, my personal big board. I have to double check. Um, so first of all, he was the second best athlete in the draft behind Zion Williamson, in my opinion. Um, and he's someone who I think fits really, really well in today's NBA. Like he's undersized for a center, but he's like springy enough and strong enough to overcome his height. And he's got like just a regular wingspan, like he's six foot eight, but his, and his wingspan is six foot eight, but his physical profile is through the roof this year. Um, he was remarkably efficient, awesome pick and roll player, great lob threat, played good defense. His three point shot, he shot 40% on a small sample size and, if you ever have a chance, like YouTube this guy at San Jose State before he transferred to Gonzaga, and look how far his shot has come from when he was at San Jose State till like to now. So like, is he going to shoot forty percent for his career? Probably not, but um, he should be good enough. He's just he's an awesome player to have on your team that will immediately make your team better. Um, yeah, I he was he was a guy I wanted my Celtics to draft. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and I won't get into him too much just because I have him for another award a bit a bit later. But yeah, I mean, at 21, a guy who's probably going to make the All Rookie First Team, at least he very well should. It's definitely a steal in draft. Let's. Uh, how about we go to the opposite end of the spectrum now? And we chose biggest bust potential, and I think that's good because you never want to label a guy a bust after one year because if that happened, there'd be ton of a ton of All Stars or just a ton of really good players who would be busts, so I hate labeling guys busts even after like three or four years, so we went with potential. Who'd you choose for that one? 
So I ended up going with Jarrett Culver um, for a couple of reasons. So I I didn't know what to think about him when like during this time last year during the draft, and I think I actually like got caught up in groupthink because the groupthink still had him as like a top five, like a top ten, top five ish player, but like just looking at him, it's like he does some things good, but like what does he really do well? Um, I think Minnesota is just like not a great place to be right now in terms of uh, squeezing all the talent and like development out of a player. I mean, just looking at his stats this year, 40% from the floor, less than 30% from three. Like, I I don't know. I could see a team moving on from him pretty quickly. Um, Zach, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I feel bad because I went with him also. And yeah. um, he went, what, fourth in the draft, right? Was it fourth or fifth, I think he I went. I think he went six. Was it six? Okay. Close. But he might have been involved. He might have been involved, like in a trade. Um, but either way, I mean, like that. He went like in that range. Right. Yeah. And as you said, I I kind of look at his game, and I just I don't see anything that stands out to me. Like typically with guys who maybe have rougher rookie seasons, you can be like, but yeah, I can see a shot developing, or you know, he has good 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 passing vision. He's really locked down on defense, and I just kind of look at his game, and it's not like he's the worst player I've ever seen, but it's just I don't see that specific area where I can be like, yeah, but he'll be able to do this in the league at, at a high level one day. So I just, I, I don't know how I can see him developing. And as you mentioned, Minnesota just, yeah, it's uh, definitely one of the weaker places to be for development. Uh, Towns looks great. And I guess they have D'Lo now. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I just, I went with color for uh, Culver for all those reasons. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about him. Um, so it would definitely be a surprise if he turned his career around ready for this segue into our next topic here we go or our next reward who was the biggest surprise this year for you so for this one I did go with an undrafted rookie and yeah. I actually didn't go with any of the guys on our teams I went with a guy who actually didn't even play his first NBA game till January 18th and then became a consistent starter for a high level playoff team and that's Lugans Dort uh I mean, yeah, as we mentioned, he, or as I mentioned, he didn't even play with the team till mid-January, and he came in and just, he filled that three spot really well for them, because it's a hole that they had. They have two really good starting guards in Shea and Chris. They have Danilo, who can play the three or the four, obviously was slotted in more at the four, and then Steven Adams, but you kind of circle through the rest of that lineup, and you have Dialu, you have Baisley, obviously they didn't have Roberson till now, and they're stuck closing games a lot with three-point guards, which that lineup works amazingly, but you're not going to start the game with three-point guards out there, so Dort can defend. He uh, has a decent jump shot. He's just absolute brute. Like, he looks like a football player out there, and to me, he was a he was a big surprise and a pleasant surprise because I always love seeing those guys come out of absolutely nowhere and light it up. Yeah, he was another guy I remember a lot of draft heads had, um, like, a pretty decent draft grade on and thought he would definitely uh, get selected. That's, that's a good pick. I actually just flip-flopped my next uh my next awards here so if you remember there was a lot of hate when cam johnson got selected with the 11th pick because not from kobe white though yes that's That's right love (laughs) that's love right there those those two uh former teammates um i picked cam johnson so he had a, a really clear skill coming into the nba with his shooting i just i didn't know that he would play such an important role right away but for the Suns this year, I mean, he was able to play 20 minutes a game and, like, is arguably the best three-point shooter in his draft class. Um, hit just shy of 40%, almost five three-point attempts per game. But he also has, like, some other skills, right? Like, 
he's an underrated passer. He's getting better at attacking closeouts. So, you know, I think that it surprised a lot of people to see how Phoenix used him right away and that he did have some success. And good for him, dude, because there was so much Twitter hate when he got drafted. There was a lot. There was a lot of people saying all he can do is shoot. And I even remember some people saying, I don't even know how well he could do that at an NBA level. But yeah, I mean, a lot of minutes to go around with Phoenix. And I actually think uh, eventually, a few years down the road, you can start him and Mikhail Bridges together. And that's that's a pretty scary, you know, either 3-4 or really big 2-3. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, that, that, that's another thing, right? Like he can... Uh, Phoenix played him like at the forward position a lot, but you could play him at a few different positions. So mm-hmm. um, that's who I had for biggest surprise. Zach, who did you have for uh, best fit? So I was looking at this and I could have went Zion because I think he was not only drafted into, I mean, a team with a lot of good young talent, but a lot of good young talent that really fits with him. Like him and Lonzo work well together and you have a guy like Ingram who can create. I didn't go with him though. I wanted to go with something a little more, I guess, off the radar, and this is where I went with your biggest surprise, and I went with Brandon Clark. And a mm. lot of it does have to do with the fact that they, the guy they drafted second in John Morant, just a fantastic point guard, but he's a guy that you can play at the four, at the five, and their other two bigs fit really well with him. I think him and Jaron Jackson Jr. could be an absolute threat going forward, and then if you look at him and Jonas Valanciunas in 248 minutes, they have a plus 12.8 net rating together. So a guy who can defend uh, any any forward center position. He, yeah, offensively, as you mentioned, his shot, it's not a uh, little low, low, low sample size. I don't want to say it didn't look good because he shot 40%, but you still have to see more from it. But if he can shoot and play interior, I mean, I just, I like the way that Memphis uh, did this draft this year with Jaw. And I think Memphis, as much as they aren't grit and grind anymore, the, the city and the team will always have that kind of, that edge to them. And he seems like a guy who's just going to be gritty and get to work and, yeah, I like, I like his situation there. Yeah, and, um, you know, I'm not going to – we already talked about Brandon Clark a little bit, but one thing I'm going to add is, like, I think in today's NBA we underrate um, athleticism a little mm-hmm. bit, which sounds odd to say, but I think it's such a – it's more of a skill-based league than ever before where I feel like uh, it it's, it's so common now to see, like, top-tier athletes kind of flame out of the league because they don't have skills. Um, and we forget that like athleticism can be a skill, like your physical profile is a skill and Brandon Clark simply makes plays possible that like 99% of the league cannot do. Um, so he, yeah, he's man, that front court there is going to be unbelievable. I think, yeah, I'm between, uh, triple J him and John Morant. That's, that's a, like, that's going to be a future big three. Like I have a lot of Mm. faith in all three of them. I wrote, um, so here's here's a shameless plug, uh, for the Playgrounder, I wrote, one of the first articles we wrote was projecting Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark as, like, the best front court of the future, and um, I'm already, like, I think what I'm going to do is just maybe book some of those, um, like, one, like an airplane that can just drag that, like, flag around that will just promote that uh, that article, like, five years from now as just, like, a big I told you so. Because I'm already thinking about ways to say I told you so, and I think I'm going to go with that. As soon as you said I'm going to book, I thought you were like being serious about telling me something that you were going to like book or something. But and then you said airplane, and I was I was like half zoned out, so I was still thinking you were serious. And I was very yeah, sure, do your thing. So we we can do airplane, we can do blimp, like uh, like Scarface, something like that. Um, okay, so best fit, right? We're on best fit still. Yeah, you still got yours. Yeah. Right, so I actually I ended up going with Tyler Hero. Um, 
I think he makes so much sense in Miami. And I, I was really happy that it landed there because there are some things that um, are like r- real negatives about him. He has a minus wingspan. He's like not a great athlete, um, but he fits perfectly in Miami's system. So, what, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, the Heat run um, more DHO, more dribble handoffs than the rest of the league. And Tyler Hero has the skill set to catch those from Bam Adebayo and make the shot just the same way Duncan Robinson does. Or what they'll do is if the shot isn't there, um, they can essentially turn it into like a pick and roll and he can attack from there. And it's just awesome for his skill set. And this year we saw how he took off right away. And then defensively, they mix in some zone, which kind of hides some of his defensive flaws. So I thought it was an awesome fit. Um, and he's a guy going forward who's going to develop his playmaking for the Heat and just be a really good player for a long time for them. Um, what are your thoughts on Tyler Hero? It's kind of funny because everyone you choose was basically like my second in line for yeah. for the awards. And yeah, like not only does he fit in with the Heat, but he just fits into that Miami uh Miami vibe itself really well, so like the city, it's the city I'm talking about, and mm. yeah, they uh, they're guys who I mean everyone always talks about how Miami you got to do that conditioning test, you got to you know work hard, and he seems like a guy who's absolutely locked in, and yeah, he's great shooter, fits into their system. Uh, I think you you really covered it all, and they uh, yeah, like I said, he so was second in my pick. Let's move on to then uh, that category is kind of uh, opposite. And I think we're going to have some more controversial picks here. Um, who is the worst fit? Yeah, so I chose Darius Garland. I actually like, I really like him as a player. I think he's crafty. I think he can shoot. I don't think playing next to Colin Sexton helps anyone, uh, especially a guy whose strength is creating and having the ball. Um, I think he can be a secondary creator, you know, if you had him next to a guy like Fox or something, but it's just Colin Sexton for as much as he hasn't been horrible, he still just dribbles the air out of the ball. Um, And then you obviously have the whole Kevin Love controversy of him just wanting to get out and lashing out at people. You have Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond on the same team. I just, I'm excited to see how that goes. I just don't think Cleveland would be a good fit for anyone. And especially being a guard playing next to Sexton, I just, being, I, I think being the stronger guard, uh, I, I just don't think it, it'll work out. I'd like to see him go to a team where he has a bit more of a, I don't know how to put this, unselfish teammate at guard mm. in the backcourt. But yeah, I, I went with Garland because I still have a lot of faith in him, but I just don't, I can never see him progressing and breaking out in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I love Darius Garland as a player. Um, I think he has a playing style that's like really similar. I mean, minus the athleticism, really similar to Dame Lillard, really similar to Kyrie Irving, but it's not a good fit next to Colin Sexton. I mean, Sexton's a guy who I think was in like the fourth percentile this year for assist to usage ratio, which for everyone listening, that's kind of like a geeky way of saying he is not a willing passer. Um, so it's not a good fit there. If Listen, I'm a big proponent of Cleveland moving Colin Sexton into a six-man role where he can just be like a six-man scorer, which he would be really good at, and starting Garland, um, starting Kevin Porter Jr., who had a pretty good year, and I'm surprised he didn't make any of my awards yet. Um, We'll see what they do because that is going to be an issue in the future for them. Yeah, and I don't even hate Dylan Windler on their team. Uh, Mm. Just a great shooter. He uh, Was he injured this year that he didn't play a bunch? I think so. But, uh, I I mean, just a guy who – Next to, as you mentioned, Garland and Porter Jr., I think going forward he could be a guy who, whether off the bench or starter, just can put up some threes because we always talk about how valuable shooting is in the league now. Absolutely. 
Um, okay, so my worst fit was another guard. Um, I actually picked Kobe White, which is going to be a little unpopular, but let me make the case as to why I think he's not a good fit in Chicago. Um, and I apologize for everyone who's like, I've, I've, I know I've tweeted out a couple articles about this, so um, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. But So Kobe White is a prolific scorer, right? He's the all-time high school leading scorer in North Carolina state history, which is wild considering some of the athletes that have come out of there. Um, he broke freshman scoring records at UNC. I thought he was a, you know, a, just not as good version of Zach Levine in almost every way, but he still is a extremely score first point guard. He does not have a good assist to usage ratio. He routinely misses open players. Um, I, I just, I don't like that fit at all. I thought Chicago needed like an actual distributor. And I think that it's, it's going to be another, another one of those situations where the Bulls are ultimately better off moving Kobe White to the bench and having him be like a Ben Gordon type of role. But he's a guy who's really, really score first and has a lot of tunnel vision. And you can visibly watch clips of his teammates like getting upset when he just doesn't make the right easy read. Um, I was excited about it coming into the year, but the more I watched from him, I was like, dude, I don't know how this is going to go down. But I know Bulls fans like really like this kid because he ended the year on such a high note shooting the ball. So we'll see what happens. But um, there is some potential for Kobe White to like maybe be out of position and there's a little bit of conflict there. It's definitely something to watch for next year. Yeah, I mean, there's all those aspects, and then you can kind of look at it the same way that I looked at Cleveland of who really is a good fit in Chicago because they don't seem to draft right. It seems like their fans just are constantly at feud with their coach and their front office. They they aren't they aren't a successful organization as of late, ever since the the D Rose there era ended. So it'll it'll take a legitimate Zion type guy to turn the organization around. So yeah, I, I definitely think he could definitely be in a a place that uh, is more, 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 more needs his scoring. Where they, they're just a bunch of scores with no passers, and he needs to be in a, a more unselfish organization that lets him kind of show show his talents because he's a good, yeah, he's a good scorer, especially if he continues what he did to finish the year. Absolutely, totally agree. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens with him. It's it's going to be interesting, uh, both Chicago and Cleveland. It's going to be interesting to see their seasons next year. Um, okay. What do we have? What, what's our? I can't read my own handwriting. What do we got for our next? Um, be, is it best fit? No, we did. We did best fit. I think uh, you wanted to go with, a, or we wanted to go with a few, uh, a few little oh, ones that that's... that we have no idea why we're choosing these guys for these fits. But that's know, right. The rookie who pours their milk before their cereal. Okay. Do you want to give yours, or do you want me to go first? I can. I literally had. I was looking at this. I was like, I have no basis on why I'm choosing this. Because I just I don't even know what to base it off of, but I ended up going with Grant Williams just because I think he's just like a, a goofy happy guy, and I don't say that in a bad way. Like he's really smart apparently, but he seems like a guy who would just like I don't know, just act all goofy and just like why not? Because he doesn't care what other people think. I like I said, no basis for why I chose this. I maybe you have some reasoning. You did a deep dive into some players, but I just chose Grant Williams because he seems like a nice guy and. He doesn't seem like he'd care what people think about him if he did that. He was on my short list. Um, let me give you my number one selection for this category, okay? I think Matisse Thybul would pour the milk first, and here's why. <laughs> so he is he is kind of like a social media sensation, right? He has his vlog that everyone loves, and 
he listen, he's an awesome defender. I I wanted the Celtics to draft him. He's going to be really good for Philly for a long time. But he seems like a guy who might do that and put it on like TikTok, TikTok, um, yeah, just for attention. So that's why I have Matisse Thybul. I'm pretty confident in my milk first pick. Grant Williams is a good one. Maybe we can just like harass them on Twitter or something and just in you know get one of them to actually do it. Maybe that can be the goal for the rest of my summer. Yeah, I don't know. This uh I mean both of these I the next one I have a bit more of a reasoning for, but this one I just I didn't know. For some reason Matisse Thibel was the guy I was looking at and I once again had no I re, no reason. I just kinda looked down the list, I was like, which guy do I think would do this? And yeah. It's an uh, intuition thing. Yeah, basically. Uh, the next one I went with the rookie most likely to drive a smart car. And I either had two ways of looking at this, either just choose the smallest guy, but I didn't want to do that. So I went with Tyler Hero just because he seems like a guy who his fashion sense and his tattoos and everything is just way out there. The way he goes with his haircuts, he just seems like he just wants to stand out amongst anyone. And he just seems like the type of guy who would be like, you know what? I have all this money. I have all this fame, get all these girls. I'm just going to, I'm just going to whip around in a smart car because I can. He goes against the grain. That's um, what I'm saying. Yeah. Here's my only, here's my pushback on that. So his nickname, uh, according to basketballreference.com, is boy wonder. And do you think someone with such a heroic nickname would be whipping it in a smart car? I well, maybe, maybe if it's like, uh, you know how Superman is like Kent Clark, like has his day job. Maybe it's one of those things, you know, to, to fly under the radar. Maybe it's just a childish nickname. Yeah, that's probably right. You're probably right about that. Um, I have I have my selection here. Again, I feel like I'm the most confident in this um, than any other one. So I went with me. I don't know. I, I'm going to butcher his name. Mie Oni from Yale. I don't even know who that is. Oh, dude. Get up on your draft game. So... He's Apparently. like a, I think he's like a, a six seven kind of swing man. Um, I'm pretty sure he was Ivy League Player of the Year. Got drafted in the second round by the Jazz, I believe. But I feel like it's a very Yale thing, kind of like coastal elite. You know what I mean? Get a smart car. Uh, you know, go go green, which I support. Right? I'm very supportive of this. But I feel like, listen, I live near New Haven. Um, I see this all the time, and and I could definitely see him driving a smart car. Yeah, this is the most confident pick I've had all day. That's funny. I uh, Yeah, I have no idea who he is, but your reasoning is very sound. It is I'm good. surprised neither of us chose Taco. Do you think he could fit in one of those? <laughs> he was also on my short list just because it would be like um, kind of like a gimmick. There's you know? no way he could even fit in one. Like his knees no, would his be at his chin. His head would go through the sunroof. Um, okay, so let's let's finish off with um, our big award for rookies. Obviously, it's rookie of the year. Um, I think we know our answers for this one, but Zach, uh, give us your pick. Yeah, so I went with a top five, which I guess essentially would be who I would choose for all rookie first team. Uh, but number one, yeah, I chose John Moran. I just I don't think it's it's difficult at all. Zion obviously was the best rookie, but he only played 19 games, and if you look statistically, Zion was unreal. But John Morant played. What was it? He played 59 games. He averaged 17 points, about seven assists, and he led a team to the eight seed, which is the playoffs. And we'll see if they actually get in or if they lose the seeding game or if they just lose the eight seed in general. But he's a guy who can honestly do it all. He has handles. He clearly has good leaping ability. I mean, he just soars through the air. And he actually has a good shot. Uh, the Memphis fit was literally perfect. They've drafted so well over the past few years. 
I don't know if he'll be better than Zion going forward, but I don't think it'll be far off. He could definitely be a guy who in the future is in the running for some sort of MVP. Will he ever win one? I don't know because there's so much good young talent in the league. But yeah, I think Jaw has to win it this year, and I think it just I think it has to be unanimous. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, obviously, Zion is a, a you know generational talent, but he just didn't play the games. Um, I'm gonna go with Jaw. I, th- I thought you put it nicely. Here's someone that I just want to. You know, he's not he's not someone who I think should win rookie of the year, but he's a rookie that I think we should talk about um, that I want to just give some love to kind of like an honorable mention. Um, PJ Washington had an awesome mm-hmm. year in Charlotte. He proved that he's a good defender. He keeps the ball moving. He can hit shots now. Um, and that was a, a really sneaky good draft pick for Charlotte. And they actually like they don't have, I think, guys with huge upside there, but they have some really young, you know, role players, some good talent there. I think uh, their coach is really good, so I'm excited to see what they do going forward. But I just wanted to show some love to Mr. Washington. Did you uh, did you fill out like the rest of like a top five or three, or did you just put go with Jaw? Okay, so I have Jaw. Um, I have, and then below is like not really in a specific order. So I have Jaw Morant, um, Zion Williamson. We talked about Brandon Clark like all day. Um, I was kind of split, but I wanted to give it to one of the Miami guys. Um, so I just put in like parentheses, I have Kendrick Nunn slash Tyler Hero. Like I didn't know what to do. And then I put PJ Washington on there. Um, Terrence Davis definitely deserves recognition. There, I mean, there was some pretty solid rookies this year. I thought RJ Barrett, considering his circumstances in New York, had a really good year. And I'm still really high on him. Um Cam Reddish ended the year, or like his last three months of the season, he got so much better and was really starting to show that he could play. Um, even like Jackson Hayes had a pretty good year. So those are some guys that obviously like can't win it, but I think deserve to be talked about more. Yeah, and I actually like I filled out like a, a top ten just because I was wondering, you know, if I had a vote for all rookie teams, who would I go with? So for first team, I would go, which would be my top five rookie of the year. Uh, Jaw, I put Kendrick Nunn there. Zion, uh, just because even though he only played 19, it was just an absolutely freak show of 19 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Clark, and then I put Kobe White, top mm-hmm. five. And then bottom five, I ended up going with P.J. Washington, uh, Tyler Hero, R.J. Barrett, Terrence Davis. And then I actually put Matisse Thybul in there just because mm. he didn't have as big of a role as some of those other rookies, but I, he's one of the best defensive rookies I've ever seen, and he, he shoots the ball really well. Yeah, he's like right now. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. He's 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 crazy, and I actually like I really really like his jumper. Like I was looking at it just from a form perspective, and he has a high release. I just I really like his jump shot. Yeah, yeah, Philly nailed that one. And I remember on draft day, like a lot of people were trolling the Sixers because the Celtics essentially like made him pay a price to get Matisse Thybul, and then the Celtics ended up drafting Carson Edwards, who has not looked good so far. Um, but that's gonna pay off for them. So. I mean, this was a fun rookie class. I'm excited to follow them going forward. My second shameless plug of the day is um, over at the Playground on our website. We've done a ton of different rookie reviews, and I would love for you guys to go check those out. Um, we've gotten some good feedback, and I'm excited to share those. Zach, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I released a couple pods yesterday on the Raptors case, so it's a Toronto Raptors pod. One of them is a post-game review. One of them was just a podcast I got Aaron Rose on from Sports Illustrated. Uh Still, the hoop chat with Howard Beck, that's still relevant up until the game starts, so go check that pod out. And yeah, just hit me up on Twitter at ZachWilson50. That's where you can find all my articles or podcasts. Perfect, and you can find me at Matt Esposito underscore. Um, Zach, take us out of here, man. Let's let's call it a wrap. All right, well, uh, it was fun. 
I can't wait to do this again later in this week. We should be getting another one out there with which award do you want to go with next? You want to go with coach of the year? I'm kind of feeling coach of the year. We could do coach of the year. All right, we'll get coach of the year on the next pod. As always, please vote on our drafts, see who wins, and retweet the polls because we want to get as big of a sample size out there so as many people can claim me the winner as possible. And then let us know what we should do next. Matt will release a poll for that. And then, like we said, just still comment your ideas because we're going to take any ideas. Uh, subscribe to the pod. Leave feedback. Tweet at us. Thanks for listening. We stayed up till the morning Talking till the first light of dawn Just like this